Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and I should also welcome you to 2022. Hope everybody had some great holidays and uh, didn't get too plastered, uh, got lots of presents or whatever. So we're into a new year, 2022. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up here on the Stone and Tile Show, some interesting people to interview. But I thought I would start uh, the year off with uh, what I call my email questions and answers. I've been getting a lot of emails lately, especially along the lines of, of marble tile, granite restoration work, although I have uh, had some questions on inspections, on failures, as well as some fabrication and installation issues as well. So we're, we're going to be doing uh, as many emails as we can in the hour that we have today. In the meantime, you know this is, in addition to a podcast, is also a live show. So if you're listening here live, you can call in with a question if you like. The telephone number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. If you'd like to send me an email, my email address is fhouston, and that's spelled F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right, so let's get right into uh, our first email. And this is a subject, uh, or I should say an issue that has come up several times in the past past couple of months. And I've, I've dealt with it many, many times. And that is, particularly on the quartzite countertops, although it can occur on granite countertops, as well as some of the white Carrera marble tops, where you get the darkening that occurs around the perimeter of the sink. Now, what will also happen along the edges of, of the stone itself, sometimes it'll happen along the, the lamination or near the lamination. And there are several things that can go wrong here or, or several things that are causing that. If there is any kind of glue, uh, silicone used uh, under the countertop to adhere the countertop, a lot of times you will get some silicone bleed. Uh, that isn't always the case, but you should definitely check into that, get under there, see if you can see anything underneath. Uh, what I like doing is taking a torch and just lightly torching that. Now, you don't want to use anything like map gas because that's, especially on granite or quartzite, it's liable to pop the crystals. But you just want to take a torch and lightly go, go across it. If it's a moisture issue, it should dry up. If it's a silicone issue, it probably won't do anything other than possibly burn. Uh, so that's one way to tell. The biggest issue I see is around the perimeter of sinks. And the reason for this is that even though fabricators will seal, in other words, place an impregnator on a countertop, what they fail to do is they fail to seal underneath. So what happens, depending on how the sink is installed, you might have a little bit of lip overhang on the sink itself or the particular area where the sink 
touches the stone is not sealed properly, in other words, sealed in with silicone, moisture will get under there and moisture will start wicking up into the uh, perimeter of the countertop. And, of course, if the sink's being used a lot, whether they're washing dishes or whatever you're doing uh, in the sink, it's going to be a continual problem. The way to tell is, again, take a torch, take an area, and see if it disappears. If it disappears, chances are it's moisture. The way you correct it, obviously, is to reseal that area and then get a good sealer underneath the, that particular lip as well. And that, that should help uh, considerably. All right, I'm going to get to some of the other emails here in a minute. Let me give the telephone number out one more time. 323-870-3968. And uh, if you uh, get in there, you're going to uh, hear the show. Just be patient. I will get to your call as soon as I possibly, as soon as I possibly can. All right. One of the uh, uh, emails I keep getting, uh, and I, I, I get this a, a lot with black marble flooring. And this could be a wall as well, just a black marble in general. And the, the question is, I've been having trouble polishing a black marble floor. I cannot seem to prevent the polishing powder from etching areas that I've just completed. How do I prevent the etching? Uh, this happens a lot to newbies. Uh, if you're a newbie out there and uh, you know, you're, you're doing marble for the first time, what will happen is, let's say you're working in a four foot by four foot area or a two by five, whatever area you're working in, you finish that area, you clean it up, and then you move on to the next area, what happens is the splash from the new area is splashing onto the, the area you just completed and leaving etch marks. Well, the way to prevent that from happening is to actually use a little bit of neutral cleaner in your water and just wet that area that you just completed. Uh, if you wet that area down, what will happen if you use a good neutral cleaner, it'll actually neutralize that, that powder, which contains an acid, so you won't have that problem. So that's something that I would I would consider doing or definitely doing. Splash guards sometimes will work, but you're still going to get a little bit of splash in that particular area. So again, the best way is to go ahead and wet that area down with a good neutral cleaner. Or even a stone soap will work as well, too, if you know what that is. <clears throat> All right, let's get to the next question here. Um some of these are pretty obvious, but uh, here's one that I get, again, especially from newbies, although I've had a lot of uh, veteran stone guys that don't know this. And the question is, I was told that I can polish marble after the 400 grit and don't need to use diamonds higher than 400. Is that possible? And the answer to that is yes. I learned this trick many, many years ago uh, when doing marble floors back in the days in my restoration company. And in most cases, for most marble, like your Crema Marfils, Negro Marquino, White Carreras, Botticino, Travertines, Rojo Alicante, uh, et cetera, et cetera, even Terrazzo, and some of your agglomerates, if you stop at 400, if you're using a decent diamond, you stop at your 400 resin, if you know how to powder polish, you can powder polish from that 400 and get a factory shine. So in many cases, you don't have to go to the 800, you don't have to go to the 1800, and some guys even go higher higher than that. So you can do it. What I would suggest you do is practice that. The next time you get a, a project you're working on, give it a try. If not, set up a test floor in your garage or in your warehouse, and uh, especially with a black marble. Black marble can be really tricky to polish, and all it is is technique. It requires the right tech, spending a lot of time on there. And I have gotten readings over 100 uh, going from a 400 to a powder polish, like 5X or something of, something of that, that nature. So, again, give, give that a try, and I, I think you'll find you'll save a lot, a, lot of, a lot of time. All right, let's look at some of these other questions here. Let me see. Let me scroll down to... <clears throat> 
And this one, I, I just completed an article on this that's on my blog site. And the question is, how long should an average diamond abrasive last? I have tried several different brands that cannot seem to get an average as to how many square feet I can get per set. And I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer is, it depends. It's going to depend on the type of stone you're, you're dealing with, whether you're dealing with lipids or not, if it's a floor. It's going to depend on the type of diamond you're using. Uh, there really is no set uh, square footage that you're going to get out of these diamonds. Now, you can keep your own records, and that's what I would suggest you do. But you're liable to be doing, say, a bunch of cream of marfil. And then all of a sudden you get onto a travertine, which is a little bit more abrasive, or even a sauternia, which is even more abrasive, and you're going to go through diamonds much, much quicker. So the trick is is matching the type of diamond that you're using to the type of stone that you're using. And that just takes experience, or you can give me a call, or you can give some of the distributors a call. They'll be glad to help you out there too, because there are situations where you'll want to use a metal bond diamond as opposed to a resin bond diamond, depending on whether you're dealing with an abrasive stone or not. So there is no example, and I challenge anyone out there to get any manufacturer uh, of a diamond pad to tell you, oh, yeah, you're going to get 5,000 square feet. You're going to get 10,000 square feet. You're going to get whatever square feet you think you're going to hear from them. It ain't going to happen, folks. Uh, you're just not going to get it. There's too, too many, too many variables. <clears throat> All right, the next question. I tried polishing a green marble tile. I think it was called Taiwan Green. The marble was shiny, but did not have that depth that most marbles have. Is there a technique I can use to get depth and clarity? Uh, first of all, when it comes to polishing any green marble, whether it's you know Vermont Verde, whether it's Taiwan Green, whether it's Tino's Green, regardless of the green, uh, I would use a granite polishing powder. Green marbles work really, really well. Uh, with green with uh, granite polishing powders. So that's what I would use. However, depending on the type of green that you're dealing with, you're never going to get that, what I call that 10-foot shine. Uh, it's just it doesn't have that type of clarity that, say, a Crema Marfil or a Botticino or, or a Negro Marquino or White Carrera where you can actually look into it and see that 10-foot deep shine. And that's true of some other materials as well. Uh, I've had a, a call the other day with someone doing a, a quartzite, and this particular quartzite just wouldn't get that that deep 10-foot shine. And again, that's the nature of that particular stone. So it comes down to knowing that stone, looking for an area either on the countertop or the floor that you're dealing with that no one walks on, and seeing what the factory polish actually looks like. You should be able to match that that polish if you know what you're know what you're doing. So. Uh, don't try to make the stone do what it won't do. And with a lot of the green marbles, that happens to be, that happens to be the case. Uh, let me get the phone number out here one more time. If anybody is listening live, it's 323-870-3968. That's 323-890-3968. Now, here's a little trick I'm going to give you based on this question here. When I try to powder polish a Botticino marble, it gets dull spots. The more I polish, the duller the spots get. I've tried rehoning with higher grits and still get dull spots. Is there a way I can polish without getting dull spots? Now, I've given this trick out uh, many, many times, and I actually came up with this trick because back in the day when I started, I didn't start with diamonds. I started with bricks. Uh, what we call Frankfurt bricks on the bottom of a machine. I never had that problem with Botticino marble. And then I discovered the reason being is that Botticino, as well as some other materials, they have soft spots. 
and they saw when you use a powder, what happens is the powder will polish the hard spot, but it tends to erode out that soft spot. So the harder you polish, the more that erodes out and the duller that particular stone is going to get. The way to polish it is, well, you could use a 5X brick, but they're hard to find, if not impossible to find. Or you can make a pad as follows. Take a hog's hair pad, go into Home Depot, Lowe's, or one of the paint stores, and buy yourself what is known as five-pound white shellac. That's five-pound white shellac. You want to take a small bucket, a one-gallon paint can works really well. Pour your 5X powder in that bucket. Pour your shellac in there and mix it into a paste. And then take a stiff paintbrush and paint an X on your pad. Sit that outside, or if it's wintertime, sit it in your warehouse. Let it dry for a good 24 hours or longer. And what you've basically done is you've made a 5X brick. Now, you take that, put it on the bottom of your machine when you go to polish, and it will polish those dull spots because you're no longer using a loose powder that's eroding out those dull spots, you're actually smoothing over them, and it works like a champ. And you can use that pad as a maintenance pad, and you can use it to polish other materials as well. So uh, remember that trick. It's a really, really good trick. It works really, really well. All right, next question. Oh, let me scroll down. i got a bunch of them here, folks. I probably won't get through them all in one day. Oh, this is this is a good one, too. Several days after I have polished a white marble floor, there are blotchy light and dark areas. What are these and can I remove them? This moisture, it's simply moisture. And this really occurs a lot on the white marbles, although it can occur on granites and other stones as well. Uh, If you remember some of my other podcasts, we talked about this in showers when you're using a a white Carrera on a shower floor. You can go back and take a listen to those podcasts. Uh, You'll find it quite interesting. Uh, But generally, they they disappear. Generally, they'll just uh, disappear out in in a couple of days, uh, depending on the humidity. If you're dealing with a wet area, they may never disappear. Uh, So that's something you need to be aware of. When uh, white marble uh, gets wet, it's going to appear dark. You're going to have that nice dark gray area there. And I would suggest if you don't already have one, to buy a moisture meter. Uh, A moisture meter is is invaluable. It's going to tell you uh, what those spots are that you're dealing with moisture. If your customer says, you know, what is that? It wasn't there before. You pop out the old moisture meter and you say, here it is. And, uh, problem solved. You just need it to dry out. You can put floor fans on there. You can try a, a torch if you want to dry them out, depending on how much moisture uh, is actually there. It's just going to depend on, uh, on the stone type. The white Carreras are the ones that are really, are really a problem. And I know we've got a lot of polishing questions here. So you guys that are in the polishing uh, part of it are going to really enjoy some of these, uh, some of these questions. I'll try to get some of the other ones here a little bit later. Uh, so the next question is, the, polish pow- the polishing powder I am using is leaving a film on the surface of the marble. The film has a rainbow color appearance. What is this and how can I prevent this? Uh, if you remember a few minutes ago, I talked about using shellac to make that particular pad. Well, your 5X powders and a lot of your powders that are similar, the ones that have that grayish, goldish color to them, usually have shellac. And that shellac will smear across the surface microscopically. But when you look at the stone at at an angle, what will happen is you'll see kind of a rainbow appearance uh, on the floor. And the best way to do that is to uh, uh, go to a different polishing powder. Maybe if you polish with your 5X and then finish up with a pure white marble polishing powder like a tin oxide or a pure oxalic acid. It'll take that, that rainbow called discoloration or coloration, however you want to call it, uh, right off the stone and give you a pretty, pretty good polish. 
Uh, this is one that I discovered years ago as well. I'm going to spend some time on this one because I think it's really important. And I think this is where the industry is going. And the question is, is it possible to polish marble without using polishing powders? Well, yes. Again, it depends on a diamond. There are uh, certain stones that will polish, say, at a 3,500 or an 8,500 grit. But this little trick will work almost every time, not only with marble, but also on granite, quartzites, and most other stones that, that will take a polish. And for this, you're going to need what is called a burnisher. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with a burnisher, is that's not your standard 175 to 300 RPM swing machine that you use. A burnisher is going to be 1,500 plus. Uh, your propane-powered burnishers are going to be upwards of 3,500 RPM. So, what you want to do is pick up a burnisher. If you don't have one, you don't want to invest in one, you can usually rent these. I know a lot of rental places will rent burnishers. And then you want to pick up what we call a maintenance pad. Now, I know uh, Monkey Pad makes one, Gorilla Pads make one, well, not Gorilla Pads, uh, Cheetah Pads make one. And it's usually like, about, I think it's about a 12,000 grit pad. You place that pad on the bottom of your burnisher. You want to start with a nice, clean floor. And then you just basically just run that burnisher nice and slow across the floor and you'll be polishing it. And it works great on granite. Uh, I actually knew this many, many years ago, experimenting in my garage when I had marble and granite laid on my garage floor. We're talking 35 years ago. Uh, but at the time, no one had these maintenance pads. Now they have these maintenance pads that are 12,000 uh, grit and up and they work really, really well. And not only that, here's a good marketing tip. Now you can go in and tell your customer that you can restore their floor and stay completely green. No chemicals used whatsoever. So you're not using polishing powders that may have oxalic acid in it. It's purely an abrasive polish. Now, you will have to experiment depending on the type of stone that you're dealing with uh, as to what grit you're going to stop at. Can you do it at 400? In most cases for marble, yes. For granite, no. For granted, you're usually going to have to go a little bit higher. So give that a try, and you'll find that uh, it's faster uh, than powder polishing, and uh, it'll give you a, a factory finish for sure. So give that, give that a shot. Okay, again, the phone number is 323-870-3968. If you're listening live, if you're not listening live and want to shoot me a question later, you can send me an email to f. Houston, that's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break here, and I'll be back right after this. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. All righty, folks, let's uh, move on with some of the questions that I have. And again, this is another common one I get all the time. And the question is, I recently recrystallized a white Thassos marble floor. And two days after I completed the job, the floor turned yellow. Did I do something wrong? And how do I correct this? This is a major problem 
when dealing with white facets marble and you're trying to use crystallization. Now, you folks that are regular listeners know how I feel about recrystallization. We're not going to get into that. Uh, but this particular show, you can go back and listen to that show or look at my YouTube video on the recrystallization process. But if you do choose to recrystallize white facets, here's the key to it. It needs to be dry. 9%, 99% of the time, if you recrystallize a white facet floor and it turns yellow after a few days, uh, I've even had them turn gray, it's because there's still moisture in the floor. So again, if you're going to hone it, you're obviously using diamonds, you're using those diamonds wet, you probably want to wait a day, put some floor fans on there, come back and polish it the next day. This is a real common problem with white facet materials. So again, uh, may want to try not polishing with recrystallization. If you have to get in and out of the job the same day, try a hog's hair pad uh, with some polishing powders, and uh, you'll probably get just as good a shine if you've got your technique uh, ironed out really, really well. I believe me, it works. All right, let's see what other questions we have here. Um, one of the questions I have, I, I, I get not not a lot, but occasionally enough to, to be, a, be an issue, and that is polishing travertine walls. Now, here's a trick I'm going to give you, free of charge, <laughs> is how to polish a travertine wall, especially an unfilled travertine. You can imagine trying to polish a unfilled travertine wall has a lot of holes, a lot of pits in it, and you're putting polishing powder on there. You're getting a decent polish, but you're getting powder all in the holes, and you got to wash it out, and it's, it's a real mess. There's a trick for it. And the trick is to make what we call charged water. So what is charged water? What you want to do is take about a pound of oxalic acid, pick up some pure oxalic acid, and mix that with a gallon of water. Uh, you can usually use warm water to help it dissolve. Make sure it dissolves really, really well. Once it's dissolved, put it in a spray bottle. Now you have what's called what I call charged water. And now you take your hog's hair pad on your hand machine, you spray that on the wall wet, and then you move it across, no powder whatsoever, and you'd be surprised how well that will work to polish travertine. Now, I have tried it on some other stones, and it doesn't work as well, but it can work on other types of stones. So it's definitely, definitely worth a try, especially when you're dealing with unfilled material that have a lot of you know, pits and holes, and you don't want to get that powder in there. So again, hog's hair pad, pound of oxalic acid, to a gallon of water, and that's what we call charged water. Now, also, just another little tip, when you do this, you always want to work from the bottom and work your way up the wall, because what happens if you work your way from the top, that charged water will actually run down. It'll dwell on that particular uh, piece of travertine, and it'll etch it even deeper, and you'll find yourself, you're honing that wall, and you don't want to do that if you don't, if you don't have to. So, Someone asked me this question uh, not too long ago, and that is, can a marble floor be flamed like a granite floor? And the answer to that is no, absolutely not. Uh, marble is calcium carbonate. It doesn't react to the flaming that you see on granite. What happens when you flame granite is you heat up the different crystals in there, the feldspar and the quartz, and they end up popping at different rates, and that gives you that, that flame finish. Now, there are some limestones. I know Solnhofen limestone, some of the Jura limestones can also be flamed because uh, the mineral makeup is a little bit different than most, most, uh, most limestones. So, you know, marble in general, no, cannot be flamed. 
Uh, I've had questions about onyx. Will onyx polish like marble? Uh, do you use a different procedure? And the answer to that is onyx is actually a type of marble. Uh, it tends, tends to be a little more sensitive to acid polishes, so you need to be really, really careful uh, that you don't etch it or worse yet orange peel it, but they react just like your marbles do. They're much softer uh, than some of your common marbles, but onyx actually is a type of marble. Okay, let's see if I can get away from some of these polishing questions and, and on to some others. So let me go. I've got hundreds and hundreds of questions here. Uh, so let's see if we got some others. Uh, th this one's kind of interesting. And I, I don't know why someone asked this question, but there had to be a reason. But I thought it was an interesting question. And that is, the question is, this may be a stupid question, but is there any method for determining how old a stone is? Well, that's tricky uh, because, you know, there is carbon dating and all that stuff, but that requires a laboratory and you're going to get answers, you know, like 10 million years old or some ridiculous number like that. And I'm not sure whether that person was asking that from the standpoint of how old the installation was. In other words, going into a historic building and trying to find out, you know, how when that marble was first laid down or whether they were actually asking, you know, how old the material is. So uh, marble, granite, any of the stone is, is pretty old, and uh, I wouldn't really worry about aging it to tell exactly how old it is. But if you're looking to find out when it was installed, then you need to do some research. In my historic stone restoration class, we go into that. We go into how to uh, go about doing your research, the resources you need, and where to find that information if you're dealing with a particular old building or even an old home and you want to know a little bit more about that particular stone. So those of you interested in getting into historic stone a restoration business, you probably go ahead and take a look at that that particular course. I now have those course available on e-learning, so you don't actually have to uh, attend the class in person. Uh, speaking of which, uh, kind of a side note, I just finished up a couple of courses uh, on e-learning course, and if you want to see the courses that I've, I've put together, uh, you can go to surfaces, S-U-R-P-H-A-C-E-S dot com. Uh, click on the training link up there and you'll see some of the courses I've did. I did on uh, polishing countertops, polishing engineered materials, uh, polishing granite flooring, polishing marble flooring. And I just finished up a really interesting one on uh, becoming an expert witness for those of you that are uh, interested in that or you're, you know, maybe taking my class and want to refresh your on expert witnessing. We have all those on that particular uh, particular site. So go ahead and take a look at that. And if you have trouble finding that site, just go ahead and send me an email. Let me get my email out again. It's fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. And I'll gladly send you the link to that as well, as well as any of the articles uh, that, I, that I mentioned here on the show here. So I'd be more than happy to send, send those to you. All right. Let's see what other questions we have. This is kind of an interesting one. Uh, what's the difference between a neutral cleaner and a stone soap? Well, they're both neutral. I mean, I'm not going to get into a big uh, discussion on, on chemistry. I actually did an entire podcast on there. But your typically your neutral cleaners are surfactants. Uh, they're synthetic surfactants where your vegetable oil uh, base materials are your stone soap. They're actually made from vegetable oil surfactants. Uh, some of you are familiar with Murphy's oil soap. Murphy's oil soap is considered a stone soap. So anytime you see the word stone soap, 
it's usually a vegetable oil-based surfactant. Now, why would you use or where would you use one over the other? Uh, I happen to be a fan of stone soaps. However, you have to be careful because they contain a vegetable oil surfactant. If they're overused, they can actually build up on the surface of a countertop or a floor, and you need to be extremely careful in using them. So I, I leave the stone soaps more towards the professional and less for the consumer. You know, for the consumer, I just recommend that they go and buy a, a cleaner, a neutral cleaner design for whatever stone they're dealing with, either their shower, their floor, or their, or their countertop. Okay, let's see what else we got. Um, I'm trying to fill a travertine floor with colored grout, having trouble getting it to dry. Is there anything I can do to get the grout to dry faster? And again, here is a good tip. This is going to sound strange, but it works. Go into the grocery store. Go to the soup aisle. You know your Campbell's Progressive Progresso soup aisle and pick up what is called cream of tartar. Okay, that's cream of tartar. And you want to add about a tablespoon uh, to about a pound of grout before you mix it. And it will not only help it dry quicker, it will actually prevent it from shrinking as much as well. Or you can just go ahead and buy some Traverfill instead of trying to use grout. But I know a lot of times you're in a pinch and you want to use unsanded grout for your filler. Just mix it with some cream cream of tartar. That's cream of tartar, again, at your grocery store uh, with your... Um, <clears throat> your soup, soup aisle. Uh, th- this is really interesting, and there's kind of an interesting story behind my answer, but let me read you the question I got. It says, I have an unusual problem. A customer of mine, customer of mine installed a limestone wall on the outside of his property. It's adjacent to an old limestone wall that has a growth of algae, mold, and lichens. Can I get the new wall to look like the old wall? And the, que- the answer is yes, and I happen to uh, uh, go to school with a, uh, a, a, an individual, a professor now, who became a bryologist. And what a bryologist is, is a bryologist studies molds and funguses. And I gave my old pal a call, and I, I, I asked him, I said, is there any way we can get all this algae and mold and moss growing a little bit quicker? And he gave me the following formula. So you may want to write this down. This is what I call my mold and algae growing formula. And you need one can of beer. That's right, beer. Doesn't matter what kind, just a good old can of beer. Budweiser works great. A container of yogurt, a package of yeast, and you want to add water and just mix that all up into desired consistency. Take that paste that you make, paint it on the wall, and then go over to the old wall and take samples of the mold, the lichens, or whatever you want to grow, and just kind of place that throughout the wall that you painted with this particular mixture. And in no time, those those biologicals, if you will, will be growing like crazy. So, uh, again, let me go ahead and give you the formula one more time. A can of beer, a container of yogurt, and a package of yeast added, added, added to water. So interesting. I thought it was an interesting – only had that happen – asked of me once, but uh, I'm sure there's some people out there that are putting new walls up to old walls and uh, they want them to look old pretty quickly. That's one way to do it. I had another interesting story along that line years ago doing a historic building that had a lot of uh, this particular marble was a a Danby, uh, a white Danby from Vermont and it was all cladding on a wall and they added new marble to it and they wanted the 
old, the new marble, I'm sorry, to look like the old marble. Well, the old marble had a lot of nicotine staining to it, you know, that yellow that gets from all the years of people smoking on the inside. So I brought a piece back to my warehouse and did some experimenting, and I couldn't quite get the color that I needed. And one Saturday morning, I happened to be watching TV, and I'm a big fan of these home improvement shows, and I'm watching this old guy talk about how he stains wood, and he makes his own stain. And he makes his own stain with chewing tobacco. He takes the chewing tobacco, he puts it in an old mayonnaise jar, he adds some water to it, and he lets it sit there for a good long time, and he uses that for a stain. And I said, I wonder if that would work on this particular uh, uh, problem that I'm working on. And I did it, and guess what? It worked. It gave me the exact match of that nicotine staining on there. So uh, go get you some Prince Albert in a can and some water and uh, an old mayonnaise jar, and you've got it. Uh, so uh, it's kind of interesting some of the weird weird problems I run into on on a regular regular basis. All right, let's take a few more questions here. Uh, I've got some questions on bricks, which God hardly anybody uses anymore. Uh, questions on recrystallization, and I'm just going to direct you to the either the YouTube video that I did on that process or the podcast that I had done uh, on that on that process. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things, I, I used to get a lot of questions on waxing a marble floor. And I remember when I first got involved in this industry, you know, I, I had a fight tooth and nail about taking coatings off of stone floors in general, whether it's marble, granite or whatever, and going to a natural polish. And finally, uh, within the past 10 years, I'm seeing this trend. You know, very few people actually put a coating on their stone floors. And that's, I guess, thanks to educating out there and uh, people listening to me and listening to other contractors that, that advocate no coatings on, on stone flooring. So uh, congratulations to everybody out there for, for getting that word out. All right, let's see. Uh, questions on some polyester. And I probably have gone over this uh, before. Here's one. What's the difference between a knife grade and a flowing grade polyester? Uh, basically, Thickness. Uh, the knife grade is generally thicker, kind of like spackling putty or, or peanut butter. The flowing is more liquid, flows easily. I usually say something along the line of a thick syrup. And then you can get some penetrating grades. You can get some super penetrating grades. So, you know, it all depends on the size of the crack and, and what you're doing uh, to fill that particular uh, hole, crack, vein, or material or whatever you're, whatever you're trying to do. Um, let's see. Let's see what other interesting questions we have here. Um, one of these days, I actually have put these all on a guide, uh, which is my stone and tile restoration contractors troubleshooting guide. If anybody's interested in purchasing that, purchasing that book, I have, I got, I think over 300 questions and answers, uh, like this here. Um, this is a question I used to get. And my answer that I had 20 years ago is different than it is today. And let me just read the question and I'll explain. Can you use an oscillating sander to hone a marble tabletop? And I used to say no, but uh, I've been doing some recent experiments with a, with a oscillating sander and they work really, really well on your engineered materials, you know, your silestone, your uh, Zodiac, Caesar stone, et cetera. And as a matter of fact, the video that I just completed, the e-learning video that I just completed will show you how to use an oscillating sander as well as your typical grinder in combination to get that factory finish that you 
find very, very difficult to get on some of your engineered materials. So, again, you may want to take a look at that e-learning. Uh, again, send me an email, and I'll send you a link uh, to that e-learning class so you can uh, take, a, take a look at it. And uh, it's a really good, really good video. Oh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, this is interesting, and I actually found the answer to this many, many years ago. And someone once asked me, you know, how much material am I removing every time I hone a stone floor? Well, obviously, that's going to depend on the grit that you're using, right? I mean, that's some of your very aggressive grits, like your 60 grit, uh, you're going to remove a, a lot of stock material. But, you know, what would the average be uh, for, say, a, a 120 grit, a 400 grit? And I have some figures for you, just in case you're interested. Now, these are average uh, these were done by one uh, company. I can't remember what abrasive company did this testing. And, of course, it depends on how long you run it. But average, again, keep in mind this is average. Out of 120, you're removing approximately 0.0019 inches of material. That's 0.0019 inches. At 400, you're removing 0.0008. That's point zero 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 eight and it goes up from there to some ridiculous numbers so if you ever have a customer say you know you can't be honing my floor all the time because uh you're going to go right down through the thin set you can give them those particular figures and uh i'll send you those figures if you forgot what i just said uh just go ahead and send me an email again my email is f houston f-h-u-e-s-t-o-n at gmail.com. All right, let me take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll finish up with a few more few more questions. So we'll be back right after this. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. All right, folks, we're back. I have a few more questions here, and then we'll go ahead and finish this up. And uh, here's one that uh, we don't run into too often, but if you, you buy chemicals for exterior uh, cleaning, you're going to run into this problem. And the question is, I use the stone cleaner that contains hydrofluoric acid not hydrochloric, but hydrofluoric acid on a polished granite, and it etched the surface. I thought acids will not affect granite. They won't, except for hydrofluoric acid. Hydrofluoric acid is a very dangerous chemical. Uh, it's very uh, dangerous to you. As a matter of fact, if you look at a safety data sheet for hydrofluoric acid burns, you know what the first aid treatment is? Amputation. So what it basically does is it goes through the skin and it starts attacking the calcium in your bone. And if it's enough of it's there, it'll literally start eating your bone away. Now, those of you guys that, that do or know people that do bathtub refinishing, well, that's what they use to dull the bathtub so they can refinish it. They use hydrofluoric acid. And I happen to know uh, someone years and years ago, guy, guy was only 20-some years old, who actually died from hydrofluoric acid burns refinishing tubs. So be very, very careful with HF, hydrofluoric acid. And ironically, some of those are sold in stone cleaners for exterior surfaces, particularly on sandstone exteriors. So if you go to some of these uh, chemical companies that sell exterior stone cleaners, get a safety data sheet, take a look at that safety data sheet, and you know, take a look to see what type of acids um, may, might be in there. 
All right, let's take one or two more here. Uh, let's see if I can find some interesting ones. I got a lot on polishing. I got a lot on honing. Uh, problems with that. Um, let's say uh, cleaning. Got a lot of cleaning ones. Uh, here's one you should know if you've been in a business a long time. This is a basic uh, geology question, and that is the question, is granite more porous than marble, or is it the other way around? And I do this in my class all the time. I ask for a show of hands. You know, who thinks marble is more porous than granite? And most of the people raise their hand. But in actuality, granite is more porous than marble. And for you to understand that, you need to understand how it's formed. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and give you a geology lesson. We do that in, in our restoration class. Um, but generally, the pore structure of granite has many more larger pores than granite. So if you want to do this experiment, take a marble, take a granite, flip it over to the rough side, place some equal amounts of water on both of them, time it, and see which one soaks up the water faster. Nine times out of ten, the granite is going to soak up the water much faster uh, than, than your marble will. Okay, let's take one more question and we'll call it a day. Uh, let's see if we can find a good one here. Um, now I'll, I'll end up with this one here. Can I skip grits when honing granite? And if I do, will it affect the final polish? And again, it's going to depend on the type of granite you're dealing with. Uh, in my opinion, depending on whose diamonds you buy, a lot of times the 120 grit and the 220 grit are so close in grit size that there's no need to go from 120 to 220 to 400. If you're going, if you're going with a 120, jump right to your 400. If you're going with 220, jump right to your 400, skip the 120. So, again, you, you need to experiment. I mean, there's even techniques where you can mix some of your grits on the bottom of your, your drive pad to get some kind of desired result. Uh, I've been known to mix my 120s with my 400s and sometimes uh, even higher than that. And, again, it's just, you know, purely, purely experimental. All right. Again, I could go on for hours and hours with all the questions that I have. Uh, so hopefully that helped you guys out there when it comes to, especially you, you stone refinishers out, out, out there. Uh, so guys, uh, again, we're going to have some great shows coming up. If anybody has an interesting topic they wanted to uh, talk about or want to be interviewed, go ahead and send me an email to fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. So folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends.